Do you feel like you're stuck in the job doldrums? We all know work can be better. If you believe there's a better way to work, join us in the global work forward movement now. Welcome to the Work Forward Podcast. Well, hey, everyone. We are live on LinkedIn, and I want to actually talk to you for just a second. As you know, I'm an avid podcaster. I have three different podcasts that I run, but one of the favorite things that I love to talk about is work. So today I want to give you just a little bit of a taste of what the Work Forward podcast is all about. And my hope is that after this, you will actually go check that podcast out and listen to all the episodes that we have. Well, this is the Work Forward podcast, and we know that work can be better. Work Forward is not a company. We are a movement of people. We're a community that believe work can be better. And that's why we formed Work Forward. My name is Natalie Bourne. I am a facilitator, innovation facilitator, and I'm your host today for Work Forward. And I'm joined by Howard Espen. I would love for him to give you just a little bit of information about who he is. He's going to be my co-host today. Thanks so much, Natalie, and uh, hello to everybody in all time zones. I'm Howard Espen. I'm the co-creator of a resource that you can check out on LinkedIn called All Star Teams, and it's designed to help hybrid teams work more effectively together. And I guess we're going to be talking about teams today. We sure are. So let's open that discussion. We know 2020 changed the landscape for most teams. Some teams were already thinking forward in their work. Some others were kind of not so much. I, you know, as we talk about this topic, it's such a big topic on how difficult collaboration is for some teams across all these different time zones and how for others, honestly, it was a little bit easier because they were already thinking in a work forward way. So I would love to kind of just open this conversation and talk about why is collaboration so hard in organizations and, you know, what's what's the real challenge behind it all? Yeah. You know, the thing is, we've been teaming since the cave age. And it's such a paradox because we are social creatures. And and if you just look at the popular culture, you see every superhero is on a team, you know, and what is our passion in sports? Our, is our team performing? So teaming is so intrinsic to our life. And certainly today, because of the pandemic, more teams are working this way, hybrid. But the basic team challenges haven't changed. And so that's the paradox. We know how important it is. We're social creatures, but often we're pretty bad at teaming. And so... Yeah, why do you think that is? Like, why are we bad at teaming? (laughs) Well, you know, I think it goes... I I think you need to think about a continuum. When do we start teaming in kindergarten? Mm -hmm. And right through our formative education, we're evaluated as individuals, not as teams. Yeah. There are no metrics. There is no measure for that. And ironically, if you look at the stats today, employers who are bringing grads into the workforce, especially a hybrid workforce, they're ill-equipped. The research is saying that employers are saying that graduates don't have the teaming skill set. And the presumption is, I'm a digital native, I can do this, but it is a skill set. And if you go back to teams outside of business, for example, professional sport, what makes a great team a great team is practice. Mm. And if you look at first responder teams where it's split second life death decisions, you need to have the back of your partner. The only way you get there is through practice. But in project management, which is growing, you know, they're expecting 25 million new 
project managers within the next several years and 80 million new jobs related to project managers. I mean, collaboration is it. Wow. You know, collaboration software market is $25 billion and growing. So with all of that, though, if you're on a project team, typically, even if it's one that's agile, the tendency is to jump into the work. Yeah. And all the literature, stuff that's being, you know, shown on LinkedIn every single day is showing that you need time to tune in and tune up. Mm. And, and if you don't create that time and space, it can't be superficial. It's got to be like, I know you, I get to know you as a human being, especially if we're never going to get out for a beer or something. Well, you know, I think a lot about, you know, when you were talking about school and teams, you know, for some people, the eye twitch might start because they were on a really poor team. And it was one of those teams that you didn't select the team, they got selected for you. And then you were the one that spent, you know, you were up till 2am finishing the project because your team didn't come through for you. And so I, I do think you're right in the sense of one, it's all about choosing the right team and, and that matters. And I think it it absolutely makes a difference in collaboration if you have people that, you like you said, where you can trust them and they have your back and you know that if, you know, something goes down, they're going to kind of carry you across the finish line and you would do the same for them versus the teams where we feel like we're kind of on the team, maybe reluctantly and, and don't actually want to be there. That's a, a big difference in 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 terms of how to team and and when collaboration does and doesn't work. Yeah, and so, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a real interesting dynamic between an individual and a unit of individuals. You you need to be able to find that balance between being able to be oneself mm-hmm. but subordinate that to this shared mission. And again, that takes time and in this day and age, we want instant results. We're yeah. driven by the quarter and the metric. And so it's very difficult to justify taking time out. And yet, if anything that's come out of the pandemic, and we've been monitoring the reports from the big four accounting firms, you know, EY and, you know, the others that are talking about what the lessons are and that they're saying to the C-suite, it's no longer business as usual. You really need to factor in these issues around well-being and and psychological safety and diversity, equity, and inclusion and higher purpose and self-actualization. If you don't tick off those boxes, people are going to go where they are ticked off. And there are companies that are on the other side <laughs> of the chasm. And there are other companies that are saying, you better come back to work. Yeah. You know, get on that bus, travel two hours, get into the elevator, a room with no light, no <laughs> air, dating <laughs> flu. I almost, I almost think about, you know, as you're talking about that, I, I think a lot about just how the landscape has changed and how much easier it is to go find the role you want, the job you want, the pay you want. And you can almost work from anywhere these days. But, you know, I also think about how when you get into that team, you don't last unless you have psychological safety at the root of that. And I'd love to just like pause on psychological safety for a moment, because I almost think that it's one of the keys to teaming. I believe it's one of the keys to teaming is having that psychological safety. It's it's interesting. I was just talking to a colleague the other day and we got into the idea of how sarcasm can play such a role in breaking psychological safety down because instead of us having a direct conversation and I saying, you know, Howard, I really didn't like what you did the other day. Instead, I just throw sarcasm at you. 
which erodes safety. And then now it's like, well, I can't trust Natalie. She just, she's so sarcastic every time I talk to her. But I never tell you, hey, you know, two months ago, I really felt let down in this, on this project or on this thing. And we just keep these undercurrents going that don't allow for trust. And I think that breaks a team down more than anything else. Well, you know, the research shows that the amount of interpersonal conflict that's driven by miscommunication, misunderstanding, and ego, a lot of that interpersonal conflict gets unresolved. It just gets buried. And, you know, you have a whole range of toxic behaviors, you know, presentism, absentism, passive aggression, microaggression. So, you know, the thing is, again, it really is a lifelong issue. And it starts with self-knowledge. You know, it starts with self-awareness. It starts with recognizing oneself has a responsibility to be the best of who one can be. What does that call for? Social, emotional intelligence, EQ, soft skills, whatever you want to call them. And it's a lifelong project. And, and so that sense of self-efficacy has to be installed and it has to be practiced through the arc of one's youth into adulthood. And what happens when you have a team that the company has put together, you're going to get a lot of diverse, not just culturally, or I'm an architect and you're, you're a software developer and that person's a, you know, whatever, a financial accountant. The real issue is not just the, the superficial definitions of who we are, but who are we intrinsically? How grounded are we? How self-aware are we? How empathic are we? And that's what we're bringing. It's not there on the resume. It's our presence. And so what I would say is that people have a responsibility to self-actualize. And so it starts with the individual. And so, you know, the whole ideal of working this way is what they call distributed leadership, right? We all own the project. And whether we're working synchronously or asynchronously, the issue is we carry our responsibility. And if we don't, it affects the whole, the whole thing falls down. And so that's coming back to the issues. I just posted research about student teamwork and the challenges and it, you hit them on the head. Biggest issue, slackers. Okay. I'm not, I'm, and, and if, 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 if I know that there are other kids on the team that are not carrying their load, I'm not going to carry mine. I'm just going to look after me because they're not in it with me, you know? So that kind of carries in the workplace too. And you often find 20% of the people doing 80% of the teamwork and everybody's carrying everybody, you know? So it starts with the individual. And then what you want to assume, and you can't always, is that when people are arriving to that team, they're coming in with that self-awareness and maturity so that you're all on a level playing field, but it doesn't work that way. So you get a lot of different characters, a lot of different levels of intelligence and capacities that have nothing to do with being a great software programmer. It has to do with, you know, who you are as a human. So how do we do that? How do we find that common ground? Because if you don't, you know, if you look at some of the great environmental disasters, somebody knew there was a problem mm-hmm. and they went to middle management and middle management was afraid to go to senior management. Oof. And then, yeah. Okay. I want to pause on that for a second. Cause, cause that is so, so real where someone is at, you know, maybe in the front line sharing a problem up and it's just kind of like being in a room full of brass, right? It's just, it's not going anywhere. 
And so it's just kind of hitting that layer. And then to your point, whether it's an explosion in the natural or an explosion and you having a great exodus within your employees because nobody's hearing them, nobody's listening, they're they're kind of having this outcry of the same thing, but no, nobody's hearing it. Regardless of what the explosion is, it's it's kind of the same idea that no matter what, if we're not, if we don't have the courage to raise that to the highest levels of leadership, there's something coming on the horizon and people will vote with their feet. So, you know, I mean, if you think about people who stand up because they have that sense of their own self, their own self sense of what's right. Yeah. So they, they, they're able in the face of opposition to say, this is what's happening. This is what's real, whether you hear it or you don't hear it. Right. So, so it starts again with the sense of people connecting with their authentic self. And that's regardless of the environment. You have to be who you are. But if you're in an environment that's saying our ideal is for you to be welcomed in who you are, whoever shows up that way, and we're not just talking about one kind of diversity, we're talking about all kinds of diversity, yep. that establishes the ground where I feel my voice is, I'm going to have my voice regardless. But if I know that my voice is going to be heard and respected, that creates condition by when something happens and we see it's a problem or an opportunity, we can go to our management and say, look here, and we know that we're going to be heard and there will be some response. If you have that and you practice that sense every single day with your colleagues, let me put it to you this way. The analogy I use is from music. So if you think just a hypothetical example. Think about several musicians, masters, each one of them in their respective tradition and instrument. And they're being brought together for a master concert performance, meeting for the first, they don't even speak the same language. They meet for the first time. They've got their instruments. They're in the practice studio. What do they do? First thing they do is they take their instruments out and tune them to the same pitch <laughs> before anything else. And then what do they do? They practice. They keep practicing the piece until they've got it so that it's natural and then they're able to perform it without second thought. So what we want to try to do in creating conditions for psychological safety are help people tune up yeah. to a conscious level that says, you know, I'm ready now to be present and fully available, right? As opposed to, you know, I'm checking my phone over here and you know, having that conversation over there because it's just not engaging to me. It's not important to me because I don't feel my responsibility to the team because I don't feel, you know, supported. So it's that, it's, it, these are all the life lessons or wisdom teachings that are not part of traditional education. They're not part of traditional management. They're not part of traditional onboarding. And those enterprises that are taking that humanistic work forward approach, if you will, those are the ones that are chalking up the winds. Well, you know, it's it's interesting you're saying that, hey, if musicians need to practice an instrument, why wouldn't people in, you know, in business or government or these other sectors, why wouldn't they need to learn to team? And exactly. so it's the, in practice that as well. I mean, and so that's, it feels like common sense, but common sense is not common. And I feel like this is the area where we lose a lot because we, we're not thinking about how to to tackle some of these things in advance, right? It's we call in the consultant when things break down or we call in the team coach when things break down instead of 
being proactive and saying, hey, part of our value as a team is we're going to quarterly, we're going to, you know, focus or maybe it's weekly. I don't know. Maybe it's monthly, but we're going to focus on teaming and we are going to make it a priority because I hired you because you, you can do the job. So I'm trusting that, that that's not where we need to focus our time. Where we need to focus our time is how do we become a better team? And I think a lot of times we focus on people's, you know, hard skills and not their soft skills, not their emotional intelligence. So I think that's brilliant to, to just pull forward that idea. You know, we got to practice this. This is not easy. You know, it's funny. A couple of Work Forward podcasts ago, we talked about this whole idea of like workplace fear. And I think that part of us as Work Forward, we want to bring forward the idea that there is workplace fear and we want to eradicate it. Like that should be, if I think about what could Work Forward's goal be, it could be to eradicate workplace fear because that is so prominent. And that is going back to what you were talking about er earlier. What prevents us from raising things up the ladder because you don't have courage, because there's fear there because of the what if, or last time I did this, here's what happened. And so um, there's something really interesting here too of practicing how to give people feedback that I think also increases that psychological safety as well. Yeah, you know, uh, on my walk this morning, I was thinking about our, our chat today. And, and if you think about uh, what I was saying earlier about a lot of conflict, personal conflict, and certainly world conflict. I mean, all you have to do is look at Ukraine for God's sake yeah. and this fascist dictator about ego. Mm-hmm. All the so way. ego really can get in the way, but we need ego. And if you think about I, you know, like they say, there's no I in team, right? But if you think about capital letter I with, with the little thing on top, the little dash on the bottom, capital I, I once read something that said, it represents what a human being is, that a human being is grounded on earth, but is also connected to the divine, right? To the spirit, to soul, whatever you want to call it. And that therefore it really starts with the I. It starts with that individual being self-aware. If I take responsibility, and there's studies about resilience from years ago from Hawaii, where they tracked young people who came from really hard disadvantaged situations and tracked them over many years to see which young people had the grit to transcend their condition. Wow. And, you know, on LinkedIn, you see all of these motivational videos and young people with no arms and legs climbing mountains. I mean, for God's sake, it's the human spirit and human will that makes somebody who they are. So you're right. We like to complicate things. I mean, my God, we're in business ourselves. So every day we see who we're competing with and it's everyone, you know, everybody's clawing for that next bump. But, and everybody's promising if you just do this methodology or do it this way or use this tool, Nirvana, you know? Right. <laughs> but but what, what we think is that it, we, we, well, we don't like simplicity. We don't like what's commonsensical. We want complexity. We want data that we can understand, you know, rather than trusting our own gut. And so, so much of what we're talking about really is human. You know, you can't fake it. Yeah, You know, eventually on the team, people reveal themselves. And, you know, what's her name? The great American African novelist. She says, you know, if people show you who they are, believe them. Maya Angelou. Right. Yeah. So, so how do we get people to do the equivalent tuning up and tuning in 
tuning in and tuning up that the musicians do. And so the thing about working this way is, I mean, certainly our enterprise, I mean, we're, we're completely virtual. Our team is completely distributed. We're working in several time zones. And we always start with like, where, where are things at? You know, how's your, how's your partner? How's the dog? How's your grandfather? You know, what's going on, you know? And so if we can allow for that space, there are a lot of ways to create the atmosphere and to establish psychological safety. And and then I think everything is added to the team and added to the individual. The other thing I would just say quickly, because I, I you know, I've seen a lot of debate, you know, about innovation and is really important if you're face to face because of the water cooler moments and and in now this injunction to come back to work, you know, physical in the office, as it were. And w- what I would say is, you know, you could sit next to somebody for 10 years and not know them. Right. That's real. And and at the same time, my co-creator, co-partner, is based in in again, and we've been working together eight years. And I know it'll sound crazy, but we've never met physically. That's amazing. And it's like like my brother, you know, <laughs> like I know his kids, and you know, everything's going on. But we just there's never been a reason to do it, right? You know, I mean. And life being what it is, this you know, there was no, re, you know, are we just going to get together to socialize? Why? You know, I mean, right. so, <laughs> so my point is, it's about vibes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and every, if you do some research on synchronized, people synchronize, you know, women menstruate, you know, they, they're all together and just, they sync and, and pe- rhythms in crowds. You watch everybody at a concert with their phones lit up. It's natural to get in sync and it happens at a subliminal level. So, for example, when people are laughing together, their defense, if they're truly laughing, their defenses are down. Yeah. And there's something going on called limbic lock. And that whole dynamic at that neural level creates conditions for empathy because you're, you're actually having what they call mirror neurons where you're really feeling the other person. So my thesis is that if you're authentic and you're present, and you're focused on the other, it doesn't matter if you're sitting next to them or you're using these means because the vibes are traveling and are felt. Wow. Well, this has been a really interesting conversation, Howard. You, you're going to have to come back and join us again for more work forward conversations. I want to thank our listeners for listening and joining us today. And just one of the things we want to do at Work Forward is we want to spark ideas, spark conversations, spark things for you to take back and talk to to your teams and just have some collaborative moments together on these topics. We don't have all the answers, but we definitely want to spark curiosity and conversation. I want to remind you to follow us on work at Work Forward at We Work Forward, or you can head over to workforward.co for more information. And we will see you next time. Thanks for joining our Work Forward community. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on LinkedIn and visit us at workforward.co. All right, Howard, now that we're out, I have a serious question for you. This one's I've been holding on to for a while. It's very important. So since tomatoes are technically fruit, is ketchup jam? Yes. It is? I think so. But it's not sweet. And most jams are sweet. I know. That's just perception. Huh. For example, think about Caleb's book about black swans. The entire paradigm of Western thinking was there's only white swans and they show up in Australia and suddenly there are black swans. So jam can be savory as well as sweet.
think of chutneys, for example. That's fair. I didn't think of chutneys. Like that that was one element that I absolutely missed was chutneys. I have it. I I mean I I, I mean I, I'm vegetarian, but I'd have it with my tofu hot dog. Okay. <laughs> All right. So seriously, we're out now. Thank you so much for your time Thank today, you Howard. Next, I'll uh, see you next time. Adios. You will. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.